0: Hi there! Welcome to the 8th episode of The Sherry Show. If you've been with us from the beginning, you know that 8 episodes mark a whole season of promised episodes. And I still have one final bonus episode in the pipeline. But enough about the first season of this particular pandemic project coming to a close. Typically, on The Sherry Show, we try not to focus as much on the achievements and credentials of our guests as we do on what they have to say about the topic du jour. On this episode, though, our guest is Farah Mola Shonakan, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you a little bit about her. So it is clear how very cool it is that I get to talk to her about one of 2020's most anticipated debut novels, Raven Lalani's Luster. Faramola, first and foremost, is the eldest daughter to one of my sister scholars, Stephanie and her husband Tomoa, which makes me Auntie Sherry. Besides her rock star parentage, though, Faramola has made quite a name for herself as a track star, finishing out her senior year as co captain of Mizzou's track team, and also as a scholar in her own right. Though COVID robbed her and many others of a more typical senior experience, Faramola ended her time as an undergrad at Mizzou as a finalist for the Rhodes Scholarship and as the 2020 recipient of the Mark Twain Fellowship. Keep listening, and you'll hear where she is now, what she's working on, and what she thinks about Luster, among other things. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Sherry Show. If you like the show, leave a comment that says so. And make sure you tell your friends about us, too, by sharing about us on all your socials. Okay, enough about that. Onward to episode eight. Hi, Auntie Sherry.
1: It's lovely, lovely, lovely to be a part of this uh, podcast. I was looking forward to this all day. So thank you for inviting me. Yay!
0: (laughs) All day. So where do
1: I find you today? Um, I am in the UK. I uh, am uh, attending grad school at Oxford University right now. So I'm not in Missouri. Oh.
0: So it's about 10.30 here in Columbia, Missouri and about 3.30 where Faramola is. And you notice how she just kind of easily like, I'm attending Oxford University for my master's. Like everybody goes to Oxford <laughs> for their master's, right? Um, give, us, give us a little bit more detail about, about being at Oxford for your master's.
1: Um, It's been really lovely. I mean, despite the pandemic, um, I think I've gotten—I haven't gotten the Oxford experience, but I've gotten a Oxford experience. So I've been very, very grateful for that. Um, And yeah, I'm studying global and imperial history, getting my master's in it. I'm uh, looking at um, African constitutionalism uh, in post-independence era. So um, I'm 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 really—I'm really—I'm really studying something I'm passionate about constitutionalism, human rights, um, African decolonization. Um, and so it's, uh, this, you know, I'm going to school, but it it feels like, um, it feels like such a, like, it feels like such a privilege to, uh, work and study on things that I've always been curious about, like since high school. And so, um, I've made lots of friends here and, um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful town and it's a beautiful place to, to learn and study. So it's been truly lovely. I, I, I really love this place.
0: Wow, that is a super <laughs> exciting thing to say about about Oxford. I am really glad that um, that's 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 been your experience so far, and I'm also super glad to see that you're kind of following up on some of the Mizzou roots of your of your professional and educational yes, career. You were absolutely. one of the stars in the Kinder Institute for <laughs> Constitutional Democracy, right? Yes, um, I, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I have to credit them for helping to stimulate my, uh, my interest in constitutionalism for sure. And mm-hmm, democracy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Any, any, any striking things that are sticking out to you in, in your seminars at Oxford? Like what's, what's like, what's like a super surprising thing that you've, you've, you've come across so far. Um, well, as far as like being a student,
1: um, uh, the way things work here is you're, uh, it's very independent. Uh, being a student here is very independent. Um, you sort of have to curate your own academic experience here, which when I first got here, it was a bit, um, it was a, definitely a cultural adjustment that I had to deal with because um, back in the States, I I feel like, um, you know, there's more of a, you know, like a, the, your professors sort of, you know, they instruct you or educational experience. But here it's more like there is instruction, but they sort of um, expect you to to um, to have more initiative in, in that. So um, that's been uh, really interesting. Um, but also as far as like studying history and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and especially decolonization, um, you know, aspects on race. And, you know, decolonizing history itself, not just studying decolonization, but no, but the decolonization decolonize- of the history yes. as objects. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah, yeah. Cool. That's, cool. Been, cool. Um, that's been a really uh, fun experience. And I think it has added a dimension um, to my own um, dissertation uh uh, work as well, and so um, I mean Oxford. We uh, they have the Rhodes statue um, uh-huh. here, and so that's been you know how at Missoula there's like the Thomas Jefferson statue, uh-huh. and that has been an object of debate. So here it's like the Rhodes statue, and so there's you know debates in like the history hub on like what does that mean? Um, how do we like decolonize our our campus and whatnot? And so uh-huh. it's been interesting uh-huh.
0: to to talk about the, the, those sorts of things in my um, in my seminars. Well, yeah, especially when in terms of, and I think this was in South Africa too, like bring down roads where yes. they actually took down the road statue mm-hmm. on a university mm-hmm. campus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like these objects come to come to signify like a whole set of political processes that are that are fraught and really interesting, but really present to us today. Definitely. Why? Why Africa? <laughs> Um <laughs> and I ask I ask as a Caribbeanist. I ask as a Caribbeanist. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs>
1: Um, well I guess uh, one of the ma- uh, main uh, reasons is because my parents are Nigerian my mom's uh, uh, West Indian as well but uh-huh. um, and so uh, I've, I've always grown up in an environment in which you know African history has always been important to me um, uh-huh. but it's not really something I got to fully um, explore when I was in high school uh-huh. and not necessarily in college um, uh-huh. It wasn't really a part of my history curriculum um, in either settings um, and so, um, um, I decided that if I'm going to, to go to grad school, it's going to be on something that I've, uh, not only been passionate about, but curious about. And that has a mm-hmm. personal connection with me. I, uh, uh I feel like I've studied history as in a sort of a distant sort of way, just because of how the education system is as far as um, Africa and stuff like that. And so I, um, I wanted to finally, um, you know, uh, study history in like such a, per in like a personal way, um, mm-hmm. in which I can ground the, you know, the stories of my parents and my grandparents and whatnot in the, in, you know, the history of a nation, um, or an idea, uh, and what, whatnot. So, um, that's why I'm especially passionate about this. Cause it feels like I can connect it to like, you know, what I've been, uh, told at home and, and, and,
0: um, and whatnot. So that's also, it's, that's why I, I love it so much. I think that's awesome. I think one of the really awesome things too is how your family has all of these connections to 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 not just Nigeria but to the Caribbean. Yes. These this amazing story of your grandmother moving with her children during mm-hmm. the Biafran war yes. and Um, Just some really stunning moments of lived experiences that I'm sure are just like electrified as you think about the history itself and how the writing of history itself constitutes like this really huge colonial moment that... um, That for once have a better phrase that you know we have to think about how do we decolonize. So where do you find time in all of that studying and stuff to read novels?
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good good question. Um, So um, unfortunately, I can't read like I used to uh, in bulk, and so uh, it's all about finding uh, small spaces of time in between the big tasks that I have to do academically. So for example, um, every day when I'm like reading a text for my dissertation, um, taking breaks is really important. So um, I have this app that like tells me, okay, take a break um, uh-huh. after like a, a certain amount of time.
0: And then is during the that Pomodoro time- the Pomodoro app? Yes. Pomodoro app. I love it. <laughs> I, I, wrote, I, I, I wrote a book and whole essays using that 25 minutes on and yes. five, minutes five minutes off. Exactly. And then after after four, what is it? Four? Four? You get like fifteen minutes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I noticed that. It was, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I just discovered it actually, and it's been mm-hmm. like a saving grace because mm-hmm. sometimes, like when I'm working, I get so into it that mm-hmm. um, eventually my brain gets tired. But I don't know how to tell myself to like stop. take a break. Yeah. To stop. And so that app has been really helpful, and it's a mm-hmm. great um, it's it's a great opportunity to like grab a book real quick and just uh-huh. read for five minutes, although it's dangerous because like, I'll want to keep on reading. And keep it's like, it. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's like 45 minutes and you didn't go back in for your 25. Minute I, know. Time. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, right now I'm
1: reading um, Black Leopard, Red Wolf by um, James. Have you read it?
0: What do you mean? Have I read it? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. You 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 have no you you don't know. You don't know the levels of my obsession um with Marlon James from top to bottom. So um my apologies for coming at you like that. Um <laughs> I, I invite you to come to like You don't. That. You I don't do. you, it's not a thing, it's not a thing that you have to know about me. Um have been obsessed with Marlon James for a good couple of years now. Oh really? Um, okay. And so Black Leopard Red Wolf, maybe I should have you come back to talk to me about Black Leopard yeah, Red Wolf. am it's um I'm like uh about a, a quarter
1: of the yeah. way. I, I, I think so. It's um yeah I'd love to discuss it with you because it's yeah. really like I always look forward to the five minute breaks in which I can uh-huh. crack it open because uh, it's very very interesting.
0: And that one is that one is super interesting to be reading in like a five minute break period because it's yeah. so dense and the world building in it is really, I I um. I joke a lot with, with, with my partner that, um, I'm the, I'm the Marlon James scholar, but I sort of need him as the genre scholar to be able to tell me what Black Leopard Red Wolf is about. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's I hard. I don't it's... know Faramola. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, maybe we can talk some more about that Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, it, I think it was one of the first books that as soon as I got done with it, I went right back to the beginning and started reading it again. Um, that's a,
1: that's really smart. I'll probably do that myself. Honestly,
0: it's it's really rich in those ways. Have you read mm-hmm. any other Marlon James books? This is this is actually
1: surprising. Surprisingly, my first Marlon James book um, that I'm uh, that I'm reading. Uh, I also have uh, the book of night. Uh, book of night women. Night. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, that's also a book that I've been wanting to read for for quite some time. But um, I sometimes I do wonder. Maybe I should have started with a, a different. Uh,
0: No, (laughs) no, no, no. I feel like that's a super interesting way to start. Um, Watch how we're just not going to talk about Leilani and talk about Marlon James the whole time. (laughs) I I have a a note. I have a note to segue. Don't worry, we're getting to it. Perfect. Um, (laughs) We're going to get to it. Um, I think that's an interesting way to read um, Marlon James because I think... In a lot of ways, this one is a culmination of a lot of the aesthetic and political things that he's been doing all along across all his novels. And so, you know, I'm being silly when I say I don't know what it's about. But I think what I don't know is why fantasy is the genre that he is using to do all of this Um And so that's that's my that's my big question to think about um, where this one is concerned. But, you know, he has like the first one that is um, immediate, like post post emancipation Jamaica. Mm -hmm. That is the first time that I read that book. I threw it against the wall. It made me very angry. Um and then it essentially kind of changed my scholarly life because it was really? just like, well, what kind of what kind of reader am I that the things that are happening in this book would make me so angry? And, you know, realizing that Marlon James actually is trying to make me angry um was 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 pretty sobering and that happened that realization kind of happened after I read the book of Night Women. Um, interesting. Which is which is also super interesting for how, for what it does with um, with the slave narrative form. Like you never read a slave narrative like this before in your life, ever. Really? And I don't know if you'll read another one that looks like this. Um, so I'd say I'd say after um Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Um some might tell you to go and read a brief history of Seven Killings, but no, go to the book of Night Women first. Really? And then yeah. Brief
1: history and then brief
0: history. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then like read read brief history third, and his first one last, um, because I kind of feel like I feel like this this kind of retrospective way of thinking about it from Black Leopard Red Wolf back mm-hmm. um, will be a really interesting and different experience from from when I read them kind of in order. Um, so yeah, I'm
1: excited. Does brief, that's- does brief history of Seven Killings is that also a fantasy? No, uh, no, no.
0: I didn't think it would. Okay. That one is, um, it's built around the 1976 assassination attempt um, against Bob Marley's life. The book doesn't call him Bob Marley, but he's an international reggae superstar. So who else is he, right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like all the song lyrics. And, but what's super interesting there too is the decision not to name him as such. Like they, it, it. It's interesting because the novel kind of mutes him, the singer, by calling him the singer and never giving him any direct speech. And anytime his lyrics come up, it's somebody else who's saying them. Um, Mm. But why this is important is like, it's in the middle of this Cold War moment where the CIA is in the business of destabilizing democratically elected governments in the Caribbean and Central and South America. Um, And so it, it kind of uses this one moment to spin out um, this huge story about why the local is just like implicitly global, why what's mm-hmm. happening in this very specific yeah. Caribbean island has everything to do with what's going on in the rest of the world, right? Yeah. And it does that with like 15 different narrators. So if you think that... Um, I'd, probably, <laughs> Black- I'd probably be breaking a record with that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 that one yeah. is... It, it took a while. Like my mom has read these too, um, all of Marlon James's novels too. Like I remember when I threw, when I threw um, John Crow's Devil, which is the first one, mm-hmm. um, she came into the room and picked it up off of the floor and she said, "I've never heard you quarrel with a book as much as you quarrel with this one. So give it <laughs> to me, now, and I'm going to read it." Oh, made her curious, did it? <laughs> yeah. But then I was kind of horrified, and you sort of know why I was horrified when you read that book. Like you don't want your mother reading that kind of book. It's filthy. Okay. <laughs> But I think, you know, he starts to work out a lot of things around the nation and around queerness and all Mm -hmm. kinds of things um, in ways that don't map. As cleanly onto Black Leopard, Red Wolf, as in as as in the others, and also like in um, A Brief History of Seven Killings. A Brief History of Seven Killings is as amazing as it is it, because it's just like it decenters the idea of a central protagonist as somebody who the entire thing rotates around. So like, even in not naming the singer, it's just like I'm not going to give you a protagonist. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of people. Um, it takes like. 200 pages before you even like get into like you know the pace of the story and yeah you I've can kind of t- black leopard red wolf exactly yeah. exactly black <laughs> leopard red wolf is like that too before yeah. you kind of get a feel of what's going on yeah. and then you can't put it down right because you're in I'm having, and trouble. You're- yeah, I'm having yeah, trouble yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think i think a brief history is closest to it
1: um, um what you said about um how the local is the global is something that i've also learned about um, during my master's uh, <laughs> degree here. And I think it's really interesting how like in like actual like um, history, but also in fiction writing that sort of trend, the local is the global um, you know, it traverses all <laughs> genres of writing and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. It's it's something that's very important that I've, I've learned uh, during my mm-hmm. time here, uh, mm-hmm. truly, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a thing that sort of had, it, it came into my work around trying to read Marlon James's novels too, and thinking about how diasporic frameworks are often ones that we privilege. We often privilege, you know, seeing what kinds of theories of this whole transatlantic space is, rather than thinking, about like the specific national context and what the specific national context means mm-hmm. in the larger scope of history, Absolutely. and um, so you know, um, A Brief History of Seven Killings is one of those that 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 did that in a really, really spectacular kind of way. Booker Prize win and all of that stuff, um, and so I look forward to reading it. Wow, yeah, that one's out. It's, it's <laughs> once you get into it. Once you get into it, you can ask. Yeah, it. I, I made you, I made your mother read it. Um, oh, yeah, And she yes. still tells me off about it. Um, because it t- <laughs> Did it make her angry too? <laughs> it, no, no, that one, that one didn't make her angry. She enjoyed that okay. one, I think, but it took her a while. It took her a while. And she's just mm, like, yeah. kind? this is another one of those questions of what kind of dirty book is Cherry <laughs> giving me <it> to read? <laughs>
1: yeah my mom doesn't have the best uh, attention span she'll probably mm-hmm. she'll probably mm-hmm. shake her head at me when she when she sees this but she doesn't have the best attention span with things <laughs> like um she, she has like a limit as to how many times she rolls her eyes at like yep. whatever she reads
0: or or uh, watches and if she reaches mm-hmm. a certain limit it's like okay I'm done I'm done I'm done <laughs> I'm done I'm done this is, this is how I know that your mom loves me that I've sort of made her do things like watch Bridgerton and coming oh. to America <laughs> And, you know, she, yeah. she she rides with it, but then she comes on the podcast and she's just like, this woman made me do this and I would not have done it otherwise. It's not, it's not a thing. It's not a thing That's that I want to do. You. Yeah, no, I totally, like, I, I, I get it. I know. Stephanie, I know you love me. I totally do. Yeah. <laughs> um, But meanwhile, so this is what happens whenever Marlon James comes up in my life. Like, he just hijacks the conversation. That's the level of of my obsession. That's fair. It's Marlon James. (laughs) What
1: what can he say?
0: (laughs) I wanted to talk with you about luster because... um, I'll be honest, when um, you had that conversation, you you had that conversation with Leilani um, for Skylark Bookshop because you did a stint in, a stint, you spent <laughs> um, a good amount of time working for our local indie bookshop and, you yes. know. During the initial stages of lockdown, one of the things that was really great was getting you on the phone saying, your books are here, (laughs) Um, (laughs) come get them. Um, But with that shift also, like really great opportunities came about to actually have conversations with authors. And um, prior to that, I had been hearing in, you know, the intellectual New York Times academic circles that, you know, this much hyped debut was just that. It was too much hype. Um, mm-hmm. And then I heard you have a conversation about the author. I mean, with the author about it. And I thought, all right, maybe I will pick it up. Yeah. Um, and so uh, my partner got it for me and I got into it and I I am into it, but it's another one of those that I don't know what to do with. Um, yeah. and And I'm going to say like not knowing what to do with it means like Where do I situate it? Um, How do I think about it? We've been talking a lot on this podcast too about um, the differences between enjoying something and realizing that it's not necessarily good, right? Like there are good things that you can enjoy, but you can also enjoy things that aren't super good. Um, Enjoyment isn't a criteria for something being good, that kind of thing. So tell us, I mean- Tell tell us tell us a little bit about like what's your like elevator pitch about like if you were telling somebody to read this novel what would you tell them that it was about?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say um, this book by Raven Le- Leilani, her debut novel, is about a young, very lost Black woman um, in New York, um, who, through Leilani's writing. Um, uh, leads a very leads a a life of um, almost griminess. Um, mm-hmm. Her her not almost. There's like a bikini yeah. bottom incident. Yes. it's 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 yes. grimy. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's um she 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 makes a lot of um bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um and you know she's in the stage of in this la- of her life where she's also struggling with her art and also relationships uh, with 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 others. Um and her professional career and so she's just. The the best way I could describe uh, this book is just uh, being a, blo- a a lost Black woman mm-hmm. um, in, in in New York and how she sort of finds. Um, I don't know if they're answers, but she she finds some uh, level of refuge in um, a, a, a very unlikely situation and mm-hmm. uh, in a very unlikely place in white suburbia um, in which she's sort of in this like strange affair with this man who's already married and she's um, helping to raise their adopted daughter named Akila. And, you know, through through this, um, she sort of uh, I mean, she sort of uh, regains some level of, I don't know, maybe control is the wrong word, but
0: um, she... She's um, able to move back into an apartment she, at the yes, end of the yes, novel, right? Yes, yeah, Has and another so job. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: um, mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's... Uh, it, you know, I, I I identified with the character on the fact that she's a, a black woman operating in a white space, but I did mm-hmm. not identify with her as far as the decisions she made, because some of the decisions she made was based off of uh, some of the situations she found herself was based off of the decisions she made that you know um,
0: that I certainly
1: <laughs> I, I you certainly would, make
0: would not a, your mother and father would not allow you to. do I that. agree. <laughs> 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 And I, I only say that, not in judgment of your parents, but rather like of having parents myself who are very yeah. similar, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they really would not have um, allowed allowed us to make some of these choices. Um, I I I want to ask. Um, tell me, what are some of these questionable choices that she makes?
1: Um, for example, um, you know breaking into uh, Eric and Rebecca's home um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after he like didn't talk to her for a while, Uh um, uh uh, you know, entering into a relationship with him Uh um, knowing that he full of all that he's married, um, Uh which, you know, brings into question um, the rights and wrongs about being of a, having a a polygamous relationship and and Uh whatnot. Um, But also her professional um, decisions that she made, you know, having, uh, you know, sexual relationships with some of her coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Um, and, you know, trying to solicit something out of it, um, uh, was, you know, also a a questionable decision. Um, you know, and even in her youth, the decisions she made when she was young, um, which, you know, had, uh, have a lot to do with how the relationship between her parents and, um, and also how, um, you know, the, and, and, the the relationship with each other, and then her relationship with them, um, uh-huh. and then um, yeah, just uh, and how that sort of sort of led to this, I think the decision she would ultimately like make when she finds herself as a. Young professional um, in New York, Um, Uh uh and uh so, and also her
0: financial decisions. uh, Financial stuff is really frightening. (laughs) It's really frightening. There are two things. There are two. There are two ways that I want to go from this. Like one is, and this is a thing that I'm thinking about for one of my own book chapters. I'm thinking about um, the lostness of this Mm. of this young woman, and the lostness Mm -hmm. in comparison to. Other protagonists from um, earlier texts, for example, I don't know if you've read like Jamaica Kincaid's *Lucy*. I have not, um, but it sounds really interesting. There is there is a way that the 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 mistakes part, like the consistent mistakes part, the lostness. I think lostness is really an interesting thing here because young black women are not allowed to be lost. We are, we are, we are not. We like I'm a young black woman. What am I even saying? I'm middle aged. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, you are not allowed to. Um, <laughs> are not allowed to not know where you're going in your life. Have you read um, Kylie Reed Such a fun age. No, but I've heard about it and it's on my you list. You totally have to read this. You read. totally have to read this one. This one was also super interesting. Um, not necessarily because of the promiscuity, but just like the the lack of firmness, a clear idea of what you want to do with your life. Like this is one of the things about um, Edie here where she just, she doesn't know. She There's nothing, there's there's no ambition or anything that's there. And I think... This is the thing that Marlon James, reading Marlon James, taught me. is It's not so much about um, it's not so much about the character necessarily, but it's how I respond to the character. So another one that's super interesting there too is um, Cartie Williams Queenie, who has another oh, that's also on my list. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. So there's there's this cohort there's there's literally a cohort of of, 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 of novels now that have these directionless young black women um, making poor choices and in a lot of ways the poor choices are um, the poor choices are built around. Um, or they circulate around um, sexuality, how you, how the decisions you make. And so like if earlier novels positioned sexuality as liberation, it's interesting that sexuality in these newer texts, you know, are are, 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 a, are a way for um, circumscription again. It's, it's a way to kind of, um, I guess in the case of this one, um, self-destructive behavior. Um, so there's a different way it's going.
1: Um, uh, what you're talking about um, really reminds me of a book that I recently finished called, and maybe you've uh, heard about it, My Sister the Serial Killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read it? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I I finished it a a few weeks ago. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, another book that I just, you know, couldn't put down. Mm -hmm. um, And it wasn't the main character (laughs) who seemed, well, maybe in in her way she she was directionless, but it was her sister, um, the serial killer, um, who, you know, um, who made these, a series of of uh, really bad decisions, you know, uh, which is often the case when you are a serial killer. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, which but it also stemmed off of her like sexual relations with the men that she, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. She was involved uh, with. Yeah, she was involved with. And so, you know, even though um, this book took place in uh, Lagos, Nigeria, um, I think it, you know, the idea of these directionless um, black women um, who, you know. Um, make these really, really bad decisions and don't seem to have um, a, a clear idea of who they are or or who they want to be. It, it does seem to, to be a, a central theme, really, uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which, which is interesting because, um, you know, you'd think that the more, I guess, I guess the more sexual um relationship, you know the more sexual you power you have you'd think that um that would be a, a sort of a liberating thing but these women seem to i don't know um the the more sexual power they have the more the less power they seem to have in their
0: everyday the, the lives less agentive right yeah, yeah yeah and that's very different it's it's totally different from an earlier generation of writing and so like one of the things i checked myself about at at such a fun age and um, later Queenie was, why do black women, young black women in novels have to be ambition, ambitious and, and full of direction? Why can't yeah. they be hapless?
1: That's a, that's a good question. Because like if, you know, the characters that we're talking about, if they were white, would would we have such a problem with them, you know? And we kind of have to check ourselves as black women, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh,
0: um, uh-huh. we have this, we have these high expectations for these uh-huh. black characters. But. Uh-huh. Um, but and if me they were too, like, I'm not even saying other people do it. Like, this was totally me. I'm just like, yeah. Mira, get your shit together. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But if they yeah. were white,
1: it, it would be like, oh, she's just young. She's human. She's mm-hmm. she's only learning. Um, she mm-hmm. has her whole life to, to figure these things out. To and, figure these you know, things out. yeah. Yeah. And it's like uh, maybe for us, it's like maybe we have these high expectations for these black women because maybe we operate off of the assumption that maybe they won't have their whole lives to, to figure these things out and they need to get their shit mm-hmm. together like right now, um, mm-hmm. which, p- which places mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on, you know, these f- fictional does. characters, but also, you it know, um, black, on black us. women and yeah, on us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's a very this is a very interesting conversation.
0: Really. <laughs> Yay! I was hoping it was going to be. So like what's also super interesting here is like, I don't know if you're reading, um, any of the Sally Rooney books, like Normal People, um, Normal list. People, mm-hmm. Conversation with Friends, they have these hapless young women. So again, it's not even just like in in um, in 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 black writing more generally. We're in a moment of hapless young women mm. um, in 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 fiction that's super interesting. And so, like one of the things in this New York Times piece was. Um, a resistance to thinking about them anthropologically, like don't go to this book to think about like what a millennial young woman is, um, but just like think about what it means for the novel itself to be doing this particular thing around um, around young women and around sexuality and around cities and the choices that they make, right? Um, I wanted to ask, and especially cities too, so like another thing that I saw here was that these kinds of books aren't about sex so much as they're about work.
1: Hmm.
0: And like, so like with Edie, there is, I think the moment where the novel, it's interesting because it kind of felt like it fell off the, it, the wheels fell off the wagon at this moment, the first time that I read it for me. Like, that's how it, it sort of, is. like, what are you doing? Like, we're, it kind of spiraled in this moment for me. But then I had to kind of backtrack and think about why I thought formally this was a bad moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was when she loses her job and starts to do gig work, like essentially an app food delivery type oh, yeah. of thing. Um, that, is, that is just like bizarre, but also... Um, Pretty much how a lot of young people are actually having to make a living right now, like precarity. Not having a job is what puts her in. Is what puts her in. Um, I can never remember this man's name. What is this? Eric? <laughs> I I got Eric, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 my students my students think this is hilarious because I cannot for the life of me remember characters names so can you imagine a literature professor like there was there was one um one one semester where I taught Frankenstein and um Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and see I can't remember the name of this character now too I kept calling her Daphne and Daphne is not her name Faramola um but it's one of the characters it's the it's it doesn't matter which one it was. Daphne is not her name. Every she's not a character I, in the book. She's not a Daphne is not a character in the book. <laughs> but it got to the point. It got to the point where um, whenever I said Daphne, they knew who I was talking
1: about. Did they, did they not question you at that point? Did they not they, like say? No,
0: they're just. Well, at some point, like some, some smartass was just like, did you read the book? <laughs> just like, yes, yes, i read it. I'm just old and I don't remember things, okay? I can give you the plot line. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying with Eric, I can't remember character's right. names, Eric is that she wouldn't have found herself in Eric and Rebecca's house. I wonder if the choices that she makes has to do with <clears throat> how hard it is for people to find um employment now that because like a big part of like she's literally living even though she has even though she has this job and she has the roommate and it's just like you have to have a roommate and the apartment is still roach infested like
1: Yeah yeah yeah
0: you know like yeah any any thoughts about how 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 this is interacting with um opportunities for twenty three yeah. year olds mm-hmm. in 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 twenty twenty or twin
1: one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I. when I was reading the book and I. I was. Th- I was. Um. Witnessing her. You know, series of. Um. Interesting decisions. Uh. And you know, her. Um. Inability to really secure a, a good job. I. I had to remind myself that her passion is art. Um, uh-huh. And which is not an easy, <laughs> which is uh-huh. not an easy field for for uh-huh. for one to get into. You know, um. Uh-huh. It's a creative. Uh-huh uh you know, career uh and you know that's that's hard to find even in, the, in even in new york um mm-hmm. and even as a, as a as a young black woman um and so i had to constantly remind myself uh that the jobs that she's trying to get the jobs that she's applying to she's not passionate about them. Um, she's, uh, you know, even the publishing, publisher job, uh, I mean, to me it sounds like a very interesting uh-huh, job. But, you uh-huh. know, to her, you could just tell she she was not uh, passionate about her. it. I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't. Um, I mean, she did try, I think she wanted to, you know, get a promotion into, like, the art, I think an art department. And, you know, she tried to do that through, you know, having a sexual relationship with her colleague, but didn't amount uh-huh. to anything. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, and so I had to... Um, you know, I was like my frustration with her, you know, uh, was I, I had to sort of temper my frustration with her because I had to realize that it's very hard, uh, much less to find a job, but also find a job that you're passionate about at that age uh-huh. as a black woman. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, like, I feel like a like an older generation would be like, you don't like your job while well, you're making money. Just grin and bear it. That's all. Yeah exactly um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that that's all that matters but um, you know to her um, she that wasn't enough and you could just tell by the way she um, conducted herself in you know in in her in her job and you know and you know how she just didn't really care uh, at all um, which is why she found herself in the predicament mm-hmm. that she did and so um, the you know when I I I was frustrated with her also because I'm I, I'm I mean I'm I'm a few years younger than her but um you know same generation and what and whatnot but um it 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 uh-huh. made me a little bit um uh it made me feel very very uh hopeless a little bit because it made me wonder is uh-huh. this the sort of situation that I could find myself in. Um, at my age, looking the way I look. Um, is this is this my future? And is this the future of um, uh-huh. other black women like myself? Um, and, you know, uh, uh-huh. like I said, Edie uh-huh. made decisions um, that I wouldn't make. But it, it did make me, uh, Leilani's, uh, you know, the way Leilani wrote about Edie's situation made, did make me think um, that this is the situation that a lot of people my age are in and is this and it made me wonder if this is a situation that I could find myself um uh, in um and you know she didn't she didn't really have a family support system which is something that I do and so you know I'm not I am not even so like, all I was all, just going to
0: give you I was just going to give you a definitive no right there um yeah <laughs> that's not Absolutely. that's not but you know again like we 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 know about a lot of people who that you know no matter how hard they try to be successful it's just not a thing that's that's yeah. that's that's available in in this in this global economy it's 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 tough without some of the supports and like so she's she's totally on her own um doesn't have a friend um and so like you know the aloneness is it too is 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 becomes like a function of so yeah 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 yeah
1: I, I did notice um, that she that she what you just pointed out she has no friends whatsoever, which is I found that bizarre, um, and I uh-huh, I do think uh-huh. uh, I think Leilani did that um, intentionally to further isolate her so that she can be as uh-huh. destructive as possible because i do feel like if uh-huh. you do have friends people that you can like go to um uh-huh. then i feel like they'll be able to prevent that destruct those destructive behaviors um and all yeah she had was, yeah all she, yeah and she hadn't she had nobody she wasn't even friends with her roommate she wasn't even friends with the uh-uh. black girl in her um i forgot her name so uh-uh. we're we're her name we're is i made a note <laughs>
0: <laughs> her name, her <laughs> name is Ar- aria her name is aria, aria.
1: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um uh so she she wasn't even friends with someone who was pro- who, who would probably understand who lived her with her situation who yeah. yeah um you know and so
0: um it was uh, yeah i wonder what that says about I mean, I, I guess I think that 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 this is making me think about now is just like there is this profound loneliness here. And I wonder what that tells us about. So like in, in 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 Queenie and in such a fun age, there are friends, there are friends who are there. There is the sassy friend who is just like, snap out of it and stop doing foolishness. And, you know, it's like a big plays a big role in. um yeah. You know, there's Cheska, Cheska and Queenie, and somebody else. I can't remember the other character in um, in such a fun age. But you know, there is something about like the snap out of it. And I wonder. I've been thinking a lot about her loneliness. And her, like the novel ends with her saying, um, let me see if I can find the beginning of this sentence. And when I'm alone with myself, this is what I'm waiting for someone to do to me with merciless, deliberate hands to put me down onto the canvas so that when I'm gone, there will be a record, proof that I was here. Mm. And so, like, there's this relationship between her painting. And her painting being, being proof of life,
1: yeah, um, yeah,
0: and the irony of proof of life, like her, her the painting that she carries around is one of her dead mother, uh, that yes. you know and then yes, yes, Rebecca yes. makes her paint cadavers in the in the morgue. Yeah, like, there's something yeah, yeah. about yes. there's something about like there's something about how she how she. Um, how she wants to be seen as a person, as a being, a real person that exists, and not like somebody who is to be shat upon by everybody else, um, and her inability to render life on the canvas.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, that's actually really. I didn't even think about. Um, I didn't even
1: connect her painting to mm-hmm. uh, to the to the idea that you know she's trying to leave some trace of evidence herself. Evidence that uh-huh. she was she was here. Um uh-huh. I I um and I forgot that last sentence because that is so <laughs> that's just, that's central to the theme of the book. Um uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it and you know the fact that she was struggling so much with it, I think is with painting is uh-huh. a reflection of how she I guess she was struggling with surviving um in in the world that she was in. Uh, at that moment. And so, you know, I, I, uh-huh. I, think her painting, uh, in a way, it wasn't just about, um, being creative and being passionate. Um, it was also, uh, an extension of herself, um, uh-huh. and, you know, tr- through it, trying to show that she's still here, there's evidence of her and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, and I know Raven, uh, is very passionate about painting as well. And uh-huh. so, uh, oh, is she? I Yeah, yeah, Uh, I follow her on Instagram, and she does paint. uh, Paint quite a few. mm -hmm, uh, She paints quite a few portraits. She's very talented.
0: Um, And
1: yeah, 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 you'll have to. Um, Uh And so, uh, we think about like these, you know, painting, reading, writing, as you know, just creative outlets for ourselves. But I guess in the case of of Edie, it's more. It's more than that. It's a survival mechanism, and the fact that she was unable to, you know do the one thing that shows that she can survive uh, shows what the kind of situation that she was in at that
0: time. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of, it sort of mirrors her, 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 her kind of her, her, her psychological space. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: So we've talked about, we've talked about art as an outlet for her and the way in which it doesn't provide, um, it doesn't provide any kind of material access to to a livelihood. We've talked about or impatience with this character because she just can't seem to get it together. Yeah, I wonder if you could talk about. And I mean, if if, if you're listening and you think we don't like this book, you, you're wrong. We actually no. I, 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 <laughs> we, do. <laughs> we, we do like this book. <laughs> um, let me just put that on the table. Yes, but I wonder yes. if you could talk to me a little bit, Feramola, about what you like about this book. Like, what is what's one of the things that you know beyond like if you're me you're totally starstruck to talk to any author but like what made it really <laughs> exciting to talk to to talk to Raven Leilani about this
1: um i would say that one thing that i want that i wanted to you know in, uh, investigate investigate um with this book and you know talk to her about was how she allowed this black character to mm-hmm. do things that we can't do um yeah, and and that you know while I was I mean obviously we're like disapproving on mm-hmm, Edie because it's like mm-hmm. girl like get your shit together like mm-hmm, come on mm-hmm. like we don't That's have time with the this.
0: people in the office <laughs> we don't have time for this we don't why why don't. are you doing this yep. <laughs> you're making us all look bad nope. ah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um and
1: so while that thought was playing in my head which we've discussed the mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, on the other side of my. Brain. I was also thinking this is kind of liberating to be able to watch um, her do, um, you know, and just not give a shit about anybody or anything, um, or especially she did not care what people thought about her. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I don't really know. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't know any black women that are really, really have the time or space to do that and you know it sucks that we have to you know look read about it in like a fictional sort of uh, sense but um I um really enjoyed the fact that in this book I could just watch this black woman woman just be a complete and total mess and not suffer immediate repercussions for it um you know she kept on she lived to see the next day and um she went to sleep that night um uh, every time she did something bad and you know the the lack of accountability was kind of satisfying for me um and so and so i i i did uh communicate that to raven and i and uh, and um i appreciated that even though you know on the other side of my brain it was like don't what do are that. You
0: doing indeed. it's cringy. Yeah. It's cringy. Yeah, it is. Why? It is. Why would? Why would? I'm going to ask you a tough question. Why yeah. would lack of accountability be attractive to you personally?
1: Um, I mean, I I feel like I mean, I'm a rule follower.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: personally, I'm a I'm a rule follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but you know, um, I I find myself in white spaces a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so I feel like. I always have to make sure I present myself in a certain way um, and you know I always find myself um, even when I'm talking about like race with uh, with white people I always find myself and I'm you know trying to push back against this I'm always trying to find myself um, sort of finding ways to make them feel comfortable yeah. um, and you know thinking about their comfortability before my own. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, f- and so, you know, the fact that um, Edie wasn't really thinking about how comfortable didn't she, care. she didn't care. Um, that's why I enjoyed it so much because mm-hmm. she just didn't, um, she didn't care about what white people especially thought about her, not just people, but white people thought about yeah. her. Um, and so I, Think that's why I enjoyed reading it so much because she didn't care and you know part of me hates the fact that I always have to like I mean I'm not saying that I'm uh you know being fake because I, uh-huh, I have a lot uh-huh. of you know
0: I have I mean we all have a lot of white friends and yes um yep. but you we know, in in predominantly white spaces. yeah yeah mm-hmm, and so that's mm-hmm. our
1: reality um mm-hmm. But you know, even with my even with white people, I, I find myself, you know, um, making sure that they're comfortable first. One, um, uh-huh. maybe it should be vice versa. Maybe they should be checking if I'm comfortable first.
0: It's it's yeah, it's not just you though. like um Frank Wilderson, and i'm I'm not a i'm'm I'm, I'm not on board with, I should just say, I'm not on board with Afro pessimism necessarily for reasons I'm still trying to sort out. But he has this, um, the memoir Afro Pessimism, where he begins by describing scenarios where he's having a, he's having a panic attack, he's having an anxiety attack, he's in the emergency room. And as a kind, you know, as a large black man in the middle of his panic attack, what he's concerned about is trying not to scare the white people in the surgery, right? Um, so. You know, I, I I offer that too, as this isn't just a thing that is experienced by young women of color. Um, this this idea that mm. you totally have to make sure that even when you're talking about race, the people who are around you who would be uncomfortable about that are, you know, it's okay. I'm 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 not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. And you know, literally seeing seeing Edie just like set her life on fire, yeah, is <laughs> is hella yeah. satisfying. It is. It is, yeah,
1: like that. You know, the that uh, scenario that you just told me. Um, you know, like we're like he has a right to panic. This, uh, uh-huh. uh, and he has a right to under undergo like all the emotions that that uh-huh. come with, you know, being in a very high stress situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, he has to prioritize uh-huh. um, the the feelings of others before his, um, uh-huh. and that's just. <laughs> it's it when we talk about it, it sounds crazy um, yeah. No, it sounds it sounds absolutely ridiculous but it's mm-hmm.
0: it's a reality. It's it's, it's absolutely very true. what it is. I mean yeah. in, in in retrospect after a lot of these conversations too I mean you don't wonder about what what kind of psychic damage the conversation about racism did to you. You wonder about whether or not they think that you are, you know, yeah. Yeah. whatever at the end of that. Um and I think I think that Edie being unburdened by that and it's not that she is unaware because taking care of Aquila like there's a scene where they are both, you know, they're both on the ground in the backyard of white suburbia, um, with a police officer on on top of their bodies because they're seen to be, you know, black bodies seem to be trespassing in this space, right? So it's not that she is unaware of um of her of her status but it's just there is a way in which even in her working environments and the way that she moves around the world she just doesn't kind of let uh, mannerliness, you know, like, don't, don't show your ass in these spaces, like, yeah. <laughs> she, she literally shows her ass in all of these spaces. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, um, yeah, I mean, after that, after that scene with the police officer, I, I thought maybe, maybe this will, you know, change the way that Edie, like, conducts herself, um, and how she goes about um, operating in white spaces, mm-hmm. um, needless to say, that wasn't the case, but um, no. It, it didn't change um, the fact, it didn't change the way she acted. And, and in some ways, I feel like she was, she was, she kind of experienced that in like an out of body sort of way, uh-huh. um, you know, watching all this transpire. I was very much in body when I was experiencing uh-huh. all that. That was, uh-huh. that was very, that was probably the hardest, uh, you know, despite all the bad decisions she's made. That was uh-huh. probably the hardest. Um, those are the hardest hard things. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are, uh-huh. those are hard scenes. And, you know, with, with a lot of, Um, literature on like you know black oppression and stuff like that I I do so I oftentimes struggle with you know reading uh uh those scenes uh still um Mm -hmm. even though it's a reality it's it's still hard Um, they
0: are really hard scenes to read like there's another one um in Jessamyn Ward's Sing Unburied Sing where it's it's a 12 year old boy That the pull, and then there's a two year old who is, and I think the first time I read "Sing" and "Buried Sing," I was still flush with postpartum hormones, so it was just like, mama bear instincts was just like it wrecked me. The scene wrecked me, Um, and it still does. Like kid is almost four right now, but every time I have to read that scene, and there's so many other scenes that are cringeworthy in these texts, but there's something about the violence of the interaction with the police officers, and so. You know, Leilani gives us gives us these moments where it's but you know, the, the, the logic here is it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if you're circumspect and you make white people feel comfortable. If you walk around the world in a particular kind of body, you are subject to this kind of violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I think Edie, I think she's sort of. Um, maybe
1: she's realized she maybe she realized this before I did myself mm-hmm. when I was reading these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her uh, frame of mind was like, "Well, it doesn't. It does not matter. I mean, I, I can't change the way I look, and mm-hmm. so they're going to be c- uncomfortable no matter what." I mean, mm-hmm. she had that you know that old white woman that was looking across the street at
0: her through her blinds every time and watched would- watched while the police did this to her. Yes, yes, were, yeah, knowing yes. that Akila lived there. And knowing that she was also there. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. That was oh, that was a uh, that was a tough scene to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: so I, I think she's just um, what's the word? She's just um, I think she's just given up on mm-hmm. you know uh, trying to make people uh, comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's I mean it's kind of a sad thing for her to accept. Um, but it's also just, I think for her, it, it, it is what it is,
0: you know? Yeah. Um, which is really For sad. us reading it, it's strangely liberating too though.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it is. It's, its It just brings a lot of like emotions out. Uh, it, it brought a lot of emotions out of me. Um, mm-hmm. That particular scene, but also other things that she was, you know, doing. It's like, this is so liberating, but also like, oh. This is self-destructive. Lady. This is self-destructive. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, Edie's, like, the protagonist, but, like, maybe maybe we need to push back against that, like, uh-huh. protagonist trope because uh-huh. she's neither a uh-huh. protagonist nor, uh, but she's also her own antagonist. Um, she, she uh, um, a lot of the reasons why she's in the situation she is in is because of the bad guy in the situation, which was her. Uh-huh. And, and so, uh, you know, when there's a protagonist and an antagonist in a single uh body a single body that's black uh-huh. um, which adds you know another layer um uh-huh. um to like the situation that she's in um it, it just i guess you can just chalk it up to her being i guess human uh-huh. um in a way and making human mistakes although i wouldn't make those mistakes and i don't think you
0: would make those mistakes but no, it just we, it's we for can circumstances too i think yeah. i think a lot about um you know her philandering father. Um, yeah. <laughs> and none of these factors are deterministic. They're absolutely not deterministic. But and you know another thing that's important here is um, lack of access to resources, like material resources, like a, a job that can actually pay for you to live like a human being, um, is 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 also at work here, right? And it's also one of the things that she she struggles with. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. I've really what been I- enjoying this, so take a, take your take your time. <laughs> uh, I have one last question for you, um, and it's 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 about whether or not um, this this kind of paradox of, of 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 being concerned for a character like Edie, but also feeling kind of liberated by what she's able to do. Do we want to see more characters like this or um, in what ways? How how would we have liked to see things end up for Edie? Um, do I want to see another Edie?
1: Uh Uh-huh. I mean, like I said, it was liberating, but I don't know if I can, I, if I can experience another Edie, um, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess I already have with, you know, reading My Sister the Serial Killer, it was kind of like mm-hmm. uh, wanting to like, ball well, so, you go girl. She's going to keep like, killing people, fair yeah. well. I'm waiting for the <laughs> yeah. sequel.
0: She's yes, going she to and her sister's going to keep cleaning up. Covered, yeah. yeah. Oh. Even with that one, it's just like, why does her sister keep cleaning up?
1: Yeah. Like, that I can't I, answer I was, that question. Do, do, do I want to see another Edie? I don't. Um, I think it's good. I don't think I want to see another Edie, but I think it would be kind of good for uh, white audiences to mm-hmm. see another Edie, to continually mm-hmm. seeing, uh, to continually see these um, these um, complicated Black characters. Because I feel like, you know, in, in a lot of, you know, works like, uh, whether it's through film or writing, you know, um, we're black people are very much depicted in a one dimensional way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually you know, like women this. have to be ambitious. We have to be ambitious. We have to be strivers. We have to be going somewhere and yes. we fail. We fail because the system makes us fail. It's yeah. not because we don't want to succeed. Yeah, I caught you. Exactly. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're
1: fine. You were speak <laughs> you were preaching the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there's also I, I, it came to my attention that there's also this trope of, you know, black women oftentimes being the sidekick or the best friend of uh, the main white character and stuff like that. And, you know, the, we walk and talk in a certain way in these, you know, fictional pieces. And, um, you know, it you know, I think that's a very destructive um, aspect of our, you know, mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. And so I do like while for me, I could do without seeing another Edie. Um, I do think that for white audiences, especially, it would be, I think it would be good to, to, to see, an, uh, to see another Edie. Not mm-hmm. as destructive though, but, yeah. um, but you we know, need more uh,
0: complicated black girls, we,
1: but we need more complicated black girls who, mm-hmm. um, you know who don't have it all together and uh-huh. don't expect them to have it all together uh-huh. um, all the time uh-huh. um, we obviously we want them to have it together but they don't and uh-huh. uh, but it's okay because a lot of white characters don't have it all together and we accept uh-huh. that uh-huh. Um, and so so yeah um, you know Edie I, I have my <laughs> I have my problems with her but I do think there's a purpose to her uh-huh. um, and I do think it's in a way it's um, you know it it teaches white audiences to see that there's a lot of dimension in a, in a black body. And, um, and the best way to communicate that is through the through the mainstream media, which as of right now is, you know, um, you know, um,
0: books published by Farrar Strauss and Giroux. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Or Penguin or one of those yeah. faces. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So yeah, that's what I would say. I I, I could do without another Edie. I Uh love the book. Uh But I personally could do without another Edie because it it makes me feel all kinds of Uh emotions. Uh Um, But I think white people would really benefit.
0: That from seeing just like regular, I mean, this is the thing. I don't think it's just white people though, because like there are so many people out there who expect strength, who expect resilience, yeah, who even expect white people. Yeah, who expect yeah. you to know what you're going to do with your life. And yeah. the reality is, many of us, you know what? I still don't know what I'm going to be doing with my life. <laughs> i mean i'm doing something (laughs) currently right right now yeah (laughs) right now i'm doing a thing right but you know there is the expectation of having it together that um that exerts so much pressure and 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 all of that so it's like normalize normalize um normalize waywardness 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 something like um you know that's 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 Saidiya Hartman has that um, that book Wayward Lives that traces um, that kind of catalogs um, young black women at the turn of the 20th century um, and categ- catalogs them based on um, an archive of their interactions with the state. So like their mm-hmm. time in detention or in jail um, and she uses waywardness as an expression of freedom, liberation, um, that we need to recognize as such in order to grant um, young Black women full personhood, the same personhood as their white counterparts, um, is, 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 is a really important thing there. What was your favorite thing about that conversation with, with, with Leilani? Hmm. What's a that thing lesson? that stuck with you? I really enjoyed learning about how her
1: personal life was also in between the lines of the of mm-hmm. her writing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, uh, the fact that she's uh, uh, from her family's from Trinidad. And mm-hmm. so she, you know, um, uh, inter in intertwined that into her writing and the fact that um a part of my family is from uh, Trinidad also uh-huh. made it really interesting and so I <laughs> I like to think that we came off of that conversation as almost best friends
0: I mean she yeah. might yeah, not yeah. think the
1: same but I think we're best
0: friends yeah. <laughs> I I took a selfie with Adichie one time and um it was oh my was, god I did it was great I I said to her you are my pretend best friend can I take a picture with you oh. and she was like well you have to come in closer so that we can really look like best friends. And like cheek to cheek with Chimamanda Adichie. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. So yes, I understand. I understand okay, completely great. that, yeah, I'm Good. sure you, you and you and, and Raven are our are, are, are best friends. We're be- Chimamanda, best friends. And I, where yeah. Chimamanda and I are also best friends. Maybe okay. we should invite them into the next <laughs> that we have. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems like a really good place to end. Faramola, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is an absolutely busy schedule. I really appreciate taking the time out to just kiki with me about books and what's going on at Oxford. So Can thank you. we please you. do this, again? Please, I, do this were, again? We are doing it again. Yes. I, let me tell you a secret. I could totally talk about books with all of the lit professors that I know. But I'd rather talk about books with you. So if you would do my book segments for the podcast with me, like that would be awesome. I'm just, I'm just I'm just going to gonna let that. you in on that secret. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely <laughs> let me know when you're done with Black Leopard Red Wolf and that'll Will be do. the next time we talk. Yes. Okay? Yes. I like to think
1: I mean I haven't um I, I I don't know how my mom does but I like to think that I challenged her today to do better on your podcast. And so I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll 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 make sure to uh Stephanie text her and you've and say been served. <laughs> you've been
0: served.
1: You hear that, Mommy? <laughs>
0: thank you so much for listening to another episode of the sherry show more soon bye